fright rags, horror apparel, and accessories. <laughs> if you're a horror fan, then Fright Rags is the place for you. Fright Rags has been bringing you the best in horror apparel and accessories since 2003. Officially licensed collections, including fan favorites such as Halloween, The Evil Dead, Creepshow, and tons more. No matter what type of horror you are into, Fright Rags has you covered head to toe. Offering a wide range of exclusive products from your favorite creature features, slasher flicks, and cult classics. Metal Hand of God listeners get 10% off when they use the code MHOG10 at the checkout. So don't miss out on your favorite horror apparel and accessories you can only get from Fright Rags. That's fright-rags.com. And remember, use MHOG10 at the checkout for 10% off your purchase at frightrags.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the Metal Head of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and with me in the far reaches of North Carolina is... A very frustrated rum guy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> shit. Um, and returning, our returning guest is Mr. Justin Beam. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm great. I, I appreciate you guys tapping my shoulder again to come back on i had so much fun last time and i'm excited to talk again ah dude you well, are more than welcome back anytime this has been a uh it's been when was a, it's been a little while it's, it's been a few months couple yeah. months yeah. couple yeah. months yeah and and um you told us a story that we're not going to put on the show which is very, <laughs> very funny uh but uh in regards to that can i ask if it's possible uh what were you i mean you were doing a new project with with uh, them. What was what was it you were working on? Something new coming out for? With uh, okay, so to everyone, I mean, I without getting into the dirty details right. of it, what we're speaking to, I am in, I am most of my time in Iowa, and we had a storm, as we were discussing a few minutes ago, that none of us knew the name of, called the Derecho here some a weird, few weeks ago. Some weird thing they just invented. Yeah, like. Mother Nature's like, you know what? This year we're just going to roll the dice, and, and I mean, and right? out came the derecho. I mean, come on. Really, it, I mean, it's two two thousand twenty, right? I mean, every if everything in the entire world was to fuck up, <laughs> that's this year. I mean, everything is just like, here's a new name storm. Oh look, here's some giant bees that are going to kill you. Oh wait, here's a here's a fucking virus well, that we can't last cure. Year, last year we had Bomba Genesis. That was the new term everybody was throwing out recently. <laughs> So I actually had a T-shirt that said, uh, you know, beware the bomb of Genesis, and it was funny. But uh, anyway, oh, you were saying storm Jesus. craziness. Storm craziness. I mean, in terms of 2020, my thoughts on it are this. This year is really handing us – it's it, it's an instant prioritizer. Oh, yeah. 
because it has taught us on so many fronts and without getting down another side road that I'm sure we don't want to travel the last three and a half years have taken us through so many hard lessons in compassion, in growth, in challenge and making things through as, uh, as, as humans. Yeah. I think that this year, despite all the, I mean, you know, we have to laugh about it because it's, it's just increasingly ridiculous (laughs) every day. But at the same time, man, it's, it, this has really offered us an opportunity to look at ourselves, and I think it's it's going to be revolutionary in many, many ways, and it already is revolutionary in many, many ways. And so if the worst that, that Mother Nature can throw at me here, I know now you, you were talking about hurricanes for you, and but uh, yeah, are for you me, getting any smoke from California? Well, I'm certainly not, no. I mean, I, I'm... I'm here in Iowa, and so I'm well, far. I was going to say because they're having uh, they're having fires now being lit from flying debris in Colorado. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm far enough away that I'm not. But I mean, God, I know so many people yeah. that are up there being lost. And I remember a couple of years ago, uh, my beloved little town of Idlewild, California, which is up in the the San Bernardino Mountains. It's a historic uh, it's town. The, oh, Idlewild is precious to me, and also the the site of. One of Elvis's best films, Kid Galahad, and the film Abominable a few years ago, one of the, yet one of the best Bigfoot movies ever made. <laughs> anyway, Idlewild's amazing, and this town almost got burned to the ground a couple years ago, and it was just devastating to see how close the flames got. And now we have a huge portion of that entire state, that whole coast, going through that same thing. And it's just so tragic and heartbreaking to hear these stories and see the photos and everything. It's, it it it's amazes just me that people still live in that state. Well, that's what I've always said about Texas and Florida, but and, and Louisiana. I mean, I mean, come on. But but California's been on fire since 1965. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The it's drought like every out there. Year, it yeah. just never stops. And yeah. then this year, uh, they're calling for a. This, this is such good pod. They're, we're talking about the weather. Uh, <laughs> this year, they're talking about such Sorry. a dry winter on that end. And then uh, where you guys are up in Iowa, you're going to have actually a lot of a uh, lot of. Uh, cold snaps, uh, yeah. polar vortex crap. And I'm like, geez, oh man. And we had that a couple of years ago. I remember two years ago, it was two winters ago. I was working on silent Hill at the time and for shot factory. And it seemed like we were talking earlier about the plagues of, of production issues yeah, yeah. as you're recording and stuff. I, man, we went through a cold snap here that froze everything. <laughs> and it was, and it was several weeks of these, I mean, it was record-setting on a day-to-day basis. One of those, and it was almost like 2020, but weather-wise, it just seemed like, could things get worse? And then they did. And in the midst of that, I was trying to do all these commentaries and features, and everybody on Silent Hill seemed to live in France and all these other countries. And so I'm connecting with the world, and my Wi-Fi kept shutting down, internet kept shutting down, and it was it was just uh, plagued with issues. So it's like they're really, you know, we can't take these things for granted, when it goes well, we need to be grateful when it does. But a few weeks ago, we got slammed here in Iowa with this derecho thing, which is, a, for all intents, a a flatland hurricane is what it okay. was. We had, we had, I think they were level two, or I'm not sure the terminology. Oh, wow. Hurricane level two bad. winds here, yeah, with uh, nice with rain and everything, and uh, and everything, and half the state and all of my county was just demolished in that thing, and so. Um, 
what I was telling the story about earlier before we started recording and without divulging too much and to take an extremely long road to your very simple question, <laughs> the title that I was working on at the time, I, I was due to a production company on a title. The production company was not Shout Factory. It was not Scorpion or these others. It was to another company that isn't as fond of people speaking directly to what they're doing for them. I'll say that. So, uh, and I had to deliver and so what I ended up doing was I spent the day, a, a day driving around Iowa trying to latch on to Wi-Fi to try to find a way to deliver files because I couldn't any other way. We had no power. We had but no that's internet, dedication, nothing. what you're doing. Right. That, I that mean, takes, that, they have to, that's some if hook they spot, were man. ever to know, which they would never will, but if they were ever to know the amount of time extra that you put in just to deliver on, your, on a timeline. On time. That's fucking amazing. Like, I mean, well, I'm, I'm one. I hate being late. I, I, I'll be early yeah, for, for my own death. I same. mean, it's one of those things. Um, yep. But uh, to 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 go past that point to be on time, and that's that's something that people don't really think about much anymore. It's it's a it's a professional. It's being professional. It's trying to be, uh, and it's a professional courtesy. But when when you have so many hindrances in your way, it can be such such more, and you're just like, why? Why, why? What next? Yeah, it, seriously. It, it is, but you never stop as long as you uh, – bec- when you're approaching it with your heart in the right place, it's not effort. It's just doing, if that it's makes sense. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. And, and, and so what I did was I found a hotel where I could make it happen because they had strong Wi-Fi and their parking lot was apparently close enough for me to be able to – Oh, we're still talking about the Wi-Fi. Okay, you you had me thought we were going in a different direction when you got to a hotel and you were making it happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this, this this interview could be so much better than it is. I'm so sorry. We've talked about the weather and fucking Wi-Fi. So <laughs> feel free to encourage me to lie and just make it well, better. No, it's, it's better still material good. Here. People will love I mean, it. You, you've apparently been busy since the last time we talked. I'm sure. So it I mean, just it just uh, makes the interview real, man. It makes you a real person. You know what I'm saying? Grassroots. Instead of well, instead we, of out there talking about you know like every little detail that you've done, which we will, but I'm just saying the the little nicks, the little things that we talk about like the Wi-Fi, the weather, and this just makes us like really interact. You know, it's cool. Well, I, I appreciate that, and that's what I love about our last conversation too. Is just that it felt very easy and very open, right. and that's not a lot of are. people even care about this side of things, and so it means a lot that you guys do. And and that was an example of this movie. That I, I I love this film, and I wasn't about to. You know, I don't want to be the one to hold this up. And it and there was a way. I just had to find it. Right. And I and, and I and I was lucky enough and grateful that I ended up in a place where I could do that, and that I like my girlfriend was <laughs> understanding enough <laughs> of me being like, all right, yeet. Let me head out of here. I gotta and, I gotta uh, take a ride. I'll be back in. A, we gotta figure hours. this out, you know. And here I am trolling around the state texting her as i'm like okay so this gas station didn't have wi-fi this town is completely <laughs> destroyed this town is blank i mean it was a complete carnival but so and so when this film comes out here's what i vow to you guys i will let you know what title it is okay and i will Wonderful. then be happy to share the full story because when you watch it it'll mean even more yes and I, yes, and, and and what i will say it's one that is long overdue oh sweet. it is one it is one that i had the great honor of having access to materials on that no one's ever seen before. Cause Ooh, when it, wow. when it, when it was made, they did all this on set, you know, their normal, I guess what we'd now call EPK, uh, 
behind the scenes footage shooting and interviews with directors, stars and all that, but they'd never did anything with it. They handed me all of that. It's like the keys to this amazing kingdom that you've always, that you just simply didn't think was possible to have keys to. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm in this universe on this playground for a few months and it was just uh, really a remarkable experience. And I'm very proud of what, ended up coming out the other end and it will be announced very soon and Sweet. as soon as it is i'll let you guys know yeah for sure man let okay. us know because I, I you know i'm excited well here's something i wanted to ask you have you ever just sat down and said i'm going to do my movie you know that's interesting you ask that because that's been very much a center of focus for me right now i wow, have okay. done that i have years ago Oh man, it's, uh, I have, do we need to put the Scooby-Doo little, <laughs> I've really you know, my brain. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's, it's so wild when I was working like at Trankus films, which is Trankus compass, the parent company of Halloween. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. And, they, and there was one night where I was, Malik Akkad was my business partner and I were in the car and we had just been at some meeting or something and we were riding in the car at night. And this is, I don't know, maybe a year and a half into our working relationship. And he asked me, he's like, why don't you ever pitch anything to me? And I was like, what do you mean? He's, he's like, you never, you never, you never pitch me anything. And I was like, I don't have anything to pitch. I, <laughs> I mean, I can well, I could just make some occur- shit up right now if you want. <laughs> yeah, but it, it occurred to me in that moment that 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 had never occurred to me. That mm. it, it really had never occurred to me to use the resources I had to sort of do my thing or to or to you know, I didn't have some script that I'd been sitting on and dreaming of the opportunity to get out there. I just, right, right. I didn't. But I, there was a short film that I was going to make years ago called "Only Dream of Me." Hmm. That um, are you still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, all right. We're just, we're just really intent. Yeah. We're all right. So, so um, there, there was a film that I was going to make called "Only Dream of Me," and I started fundraising for it, and my friend Nick who was an artist um he was he, uh, he was kind of a creative co-pilot of mine in some things he had done the cover to a book of mine and this other stuff nick kushner is his name and uh, he was going to be the monster in my movie and it was this beautiful story that i'd written up in the mountains this is actually written in idlewild and one of my first trips up there were in the middle of winter imagine me and perched in this house overlooking just the sea of snow and trees. And I'm writing this story about a boy who's obsessed with his ghost and, and what he goes through in his effort to try to understand it, to try to come to terms with this thing and what becomes this incredibly insane scenario as a result of it. I went up that mountain with this idea, this seed, and I came down after four or five days with this story that I just really, really felt like I needed to tell and was in love with it. I'm in love with the kid, really in love with the ghost, really in love with all of it. And not the 
because it's any stroke of masterpiece, but just because it came out of me in a very organic way, you know, it's one of those things where you, you can't speak to the origin. You can just speak to the fact that it happened. And then you just have to stand back and just go like, thank fucking God. Okay. Now how do I do this? And I didn't have the means at the time. This was still pretty early on for me in the business. And I, um, and I wasn't about to pull favors. I just, not at all. And so I did a fundraising campaign to raise money for it. And I had Nick, I don't know if you guys remember the show Face Off that was on Sci-Fi. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. I watched it like every season. What? Amazing, right? Yeah, I love like, that very, show. Very amazing. So good. And, and, and it, it not only brought the makeup effects game back into the discussion for a more general audience, but at the same time, it you're seeing people whose names horror fans only know right. on television. Ex- exactly. And that was really fucking cool, man. I was just like, wow, really? <laughs> you know, you bring yeah. this guy out? That's so good. And, and, and yeah. the discovery of a lot of other new The new, new talent. Faces that, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Because all it, most of the people who were associated with that had been in some way associated with the business here or there, but almost everyone went on to something from that Correct. point. And, and it really made the most of it. And um, so I had... I. Um, a, a buddy of mine, well, he had become a friend of mine through my the charity that I co-founded with Malik years prior. And I, I had him doing makeup on people at our charity events and stuff and on our volunteers. And it was great. And, um, anyway, Nick had done or Nick had gone in to do a full body cast to play the monster. And this monster was just really cool design. And this, I mean, it's just he was beside himself with joy about this whole thing. I'm raising funds. I'm busting ass. I don't know how to raise money. I don't know how to run a social <laughs> fundraising campaign, but I launched an Indiegogo nice. and I started getting money in on it and big plans for the film. And I had the right people involved and I was so excited about the DP and the composer and everything just seemed to be falling into place. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call that, uh, this is probably about eight months into it. So a long way into i had already raised most of the funds and um everything was well underway obviously at the point where all of the body like the suit for him was being built and and then i found out uh, i i went to la i went to an art show that nick hosted or was i guess you'd say the guest of honor he had a gallery show at this place called lethal amounts in los angeles and I went out and saw him, and it was just so amazing to see him in his environment, see these people there, all the media celebrating his art, and which is such a unique thing. If you look up Nick Kushner, K-U-S-H-N-E-R, I just can't – he's uh, he was an amazing artist. Anyway, I get a call one day that Nick has passed away, and oh, it was out of nowhere. And it really hit me hard because not only – had we done this stuff creatively, he, but he was the face, very literally the face of the monster in this movie. And so here I was in a position where I had paid, I had already pre I had paid for the suit. I had paid the effects team for all the stuff that they were doing. I was, I had everyone lined up for the crew and I was, but without Nick, it's like, there's no, like there's no point. And one of the things that I said very early on in all of this as I vowed to myself, I'm like, I just want to work with people that I care about and I want to work on things that I love. And I've been very fortunate in that regard. And I knew then that I couldn't proceed with that film without Nick. 
and because I would be seeing his face on somebody else. Sure. I mean, what do you, what do you, emotionally, how do you handle that situation? How do you, I mean, and, and it, is it even respectful to him because of all that he had planned to play that character? And so I opened up credit cards and refunded every single person who gave me money on that Indiegogo. And even though I'd already spent the money, I gave it back to everybody. And I said, I just can't do this movie. And, um, and so I never have. It's something that I, that I would consider approaching at some point, maybe in an animated version or something. I just don't know that it's the right thing for in person. Right. But um, that stung really hard. That that knocked me in a way and still does, uh, really. Oh, I'm so sorry. I brought it up. <laughs> no, yeah. no. So bad. Well, no, it's a, I just never shared the story before I, I but gotcha. it was, it really is a situation where I, I wanted to make this thing and I was so excited about this thing. And I writing that when you write something, it's sure. the same thing with music. I know we talked about music before. Like when you guys, when, when we connect with what we're creating creatively, whether it's drums, guitar, vocal, whether it's opera, you know, I mean, the things that we've talked about, right? Right, yeah. What matters is that resonance internally. And you know when something really is important because the resonance is different. And this film was that for me. And so the fact that it couldn't happen and I got everyone their money back and I stepped away from it, I decided at that point, I'm going to let life lead me and if I end up in a situation again down the road where I can do something, so be it. But I want to now focus on the documentary work. I want to focus on the commentaries, on the rest of this, because maybe now wasn't the time. And this is life handing me some sort of something. Right. And out of respect for Nick, out of my love for him as a friend, and out of uh, the love for the story that I don't want to be told in a way that I didn't want it to be told, because I just wanted him in that role. Right. Then I thought, I'm willing to put this thing to bed and just leave it be. And now I'm at the point, fast forward to 2020. I mean, that was back like 2010, maybe. Right. Um, so now I'm my, as my company has grown in scope in terms of projects and the different people I'm working with, I've really taken a hard turn toward my own kind of production. So it is still documentary heavy in terms of what I'm looking at. Right. Sure. I, I have uh, a real passion for that, as obviously, but also there are some narrative things that I want to do. And there are some filmmakers out there who are absolutely incredible that I see the work of at these film festivals. And I just want to give them a chance. I want to give them as much of a stage as I can, as much of a platform as I can. And so I'm most excited for this new company or this new sort of, I guess you'd say, banner under my company cool. that uh, I want to help make this happen for others and in the meantime start doing a little more of Yourself. my own projects as opposed to just being hired for something if that makes sense and again so, i apologize for the extremely rambly answer on that one no no no, 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 no. it's, it's no, absolutely good uh, answer. Uh, amazing and i think it's a great story I, uh, it is a great story and i think uh, i think your friend would uh, more than uh, appreciate everything right. you did and and here's sure. here's here's something I, you know, you can tell me I'm out of line. You can tell me to go fuck yourself. Whatever you want. I mean, it's fine. But, but yeah, I know. Did you? <laughs> did you? Would you ever consider doing the the film, but not as a film, doing it something else, like maybe a comic book, where you can actually have someone draw his likeness 
and he could still be in the story and you can still fulfill what you had, but in a different medium. Yeah, I think it could. I, I really have thought a lot about animation. Oh, nice. And so okay. I don't know. I mean, comic side of things. Um, I, I love. Yeah, I, it's. We know but, we know a lot yeah, of I mean, comic book guys. That's why I asked, because I know they go through different things and they always use like we're actually in some of the comic books as background people like oh, they, they just cool. like our friends will draw us in there as background oh, or or oh, doing some shit and you know like we've been in ghostbusters we've been in um i can't remember all the ones we've been in we've been in a bunch of them but you know yeah so yeah. i was just thinking you know like since that would be a really cool way to kind of pay homage to him as well as get what you have out you know i i also thought uh, i mean it was such a beautiful story just the story of um of of that the as a as a thought of a documentary, the story of that process, yeah, as a documentary would have been that or, that's or even as a film, amazing. you know, an yeah. actual film. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's a beautiful uh, it, it's beauty it's beauty and tragedy at all at the all same, same time. One. Yeah, it. I, well, I, I really appreciate all that, and it, it is. Uh, it's tough. Because uh, it's not a lost project; it's it's a lost friend. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and absolutely. So, and so that puts it into a, a realm that's outside of, I guess, what you'd say is maybe referred to as commercial consideration. Meaning, yeah. and to me, I'm, I've never, and this is a fault of mine that I'm not driven by money. And that's a good thing. So, well, good and bad, in, right? In ways, but, yeah. You know, I'm just saying. You know. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time. Um, the challenge for me has been trying to figure out what is paying tribute to him and what we were going to create while, and and being respectful to the source material, you know, wanting to do the story right, but, but more so finding a way to do it that could involve him in some way that would be totally unique and special, or I wouldn't feel like I was compromising any element of what he would have brought to the table and seeing, even seeing the creature because the creature was every inch up, he was so involved with the ideas behind that. You know, we, he called me at midnight and we'd be on the phone for three hours talking about, well, what if this, what if this? <laughs> and, and it was not as, it, so maybe, maybe. It's a wonderful dream and, and yeah. no matter what, shouldn't give up a dream right. uh, in one way or another. Whenever it comes to you, it comes to you. It, it, and if it, if it does, it does. And sure. Not, but, yeah. What you're doing now is is a great way of continuing on. And, yeah, exactly. You know, your 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 company is has grown as you said uh, leaps and bounds, and, and you're you're nonstop busy. So, uh, but I mean, as a as someone who's creative and doing what you do, um, you know, your your creative uh, your 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 line, your creative lines can stretch so many different places and that's what's great about creation you know and we're doing things that that inspire you uh, sure. in the hopes that what you do is also inspiring others yeah that's it that's really it for me and when then my short answer for people who ask about what i do it's so hard to explain to people who aren't into our world of collecting and right. pouring over commentaries and fangoria articles on if it was silicone or if it was whatever <laughs> like gel or i mean that's us <laughs> And yeah. it's so hard. It's so hard to bring people into that discussion, um, and, and and explain it in a simple way. But 
my short answer on it is just that it that it's just such a a thrill to 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 offer the opportunity for these stories to be told and and that's really it and i and and what's easy to do is lose yourself in that yeah. and that's something that I, I think historically i've done to some extent but now i'm trying to take back a little bit not take back in a way like how dare the world but more like <laughs> i'm like like i'm excited for some growth here and i'm excited to see where this thing goes because i think it's time for some expansion into some new realms and i'm grateful to have the people around me who want to help with that so yeah that's yeah. exactly what we say too we're like okay it's time to expand we, we're, we're trying to do different things like we're gonna try to get a video aspect of the show up you know oh sure a little yeah. something like that yeah. Um, we're actually got a project me and Justin have been talking about, which I'll talk to you about that after the show, mm-hmm. um, because it seems to be your expertise. So we might need, uh, some help from you. Um, yeah, happy to, however I can. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we just like to try to, we try to involve people. We try to get, you know, like, um, one of our former guests, I'm not, I don't know if you're form, uh, familiar with him. His name is, uh, Big Smo. Um, he's a hip hop artist. Uh, he actually is going to do a segment on our show now. Uh, oh, we, nice. we kind of announced it last, last, uh, show we did, but you know, I'm doing oh. it again. I'm gonna do it again. So it's really cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Really nice of him. He was like, you know, I'd love to do a, you know, a spot on your show. He like, he likes us and just like you, you know, you, you're a fan of us and it's, it's just really cool. You know, like we're all friends and that's how we like to do it. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. If you can find a way to make that happen for me, I'd love to as well. I'd love to oh, contribute however I can. Dude, Absolutely. that'd be fantastic. Yeah. We'd love you to come on and do some kind of segment. We that'd be fantastic. Yeah, man, talking absolutely. About anything that is in your wheelhouse is amazing. Yeah, like like you, we we do what we normally do. I know this is kind of weird, but what we normally do is we do like a ten minute. We give we give our uh, our our segment host like ten to fifteen minutes to do a, a thing. Right. You know. Right. You re- you record it, send it to us, and we put it in. That's easy. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, I would love to help and be a part of it. Absolutely. Guys. You you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. So now we got him. It's recorded. <laughs> well, you know, I, I read a story and um, uh, it's a little and I'd love if you haven't heard this yet. I, I, I'm going to try to find it. I'd love to send it to you um, because it's it's kind of uh, about uh, someone who did what you did or what you do way back when. Uh, it's a story about a. Um, uh, they found a uh, they found a scroll basically, as of recently, um, and it was a, a, a Greek uh, guest scroll or, or story or something was written. Anyway, um, it was commentary on a play, like a Greek tragedy that um, was being performed at different coliseums, uh, and somebody wow. at the time was going and talking to these traveling actors and writing down what how they're how they did it what they did basically the ins and outs of the production aspect that's, oh my god that's so and i cool. thought that is exactly what you do yeah and i thought what someone it's like this could be the forefather of what you did this is that's so remarkable stable. i have to read that please do send that my way I, oh I, my god i'll send it to you i think it, i i read it it wasn't a huge article it might have been a page page and a half yeah and uh that's I was so like, that, cool. that is just so neat because i'm always interested in and seeing how um, our circle of discovery comes right back around. Things we forgot, we relearn again, you know, as through time, as through history. Yeah. And uh, it was just that little blurb of that. And I was like, that, that is so 
amazing that someone back then had the forethought to go, hey, there's going to be some people that are going to be really interested in how this all took place. Yeah, no so shit. I'm going to write it down. It's fascinating so, because it's not it's not criticism, and that's something that I think people find uh, more common. There's always been reviewers. There have always been the, and, right. I, and I'm not saying criticism is in a negative connotation. I'm just saying you know critique, critique of Critiques. a performance, whatever it might be. Yeah, sure. but to really, but to but to have the the presence of mind to approach the creators and discuss that process, I think, is something that I wish we had on on all fronts with entertainment. There's so many things. There's so many mysteries. Around so many, and, and I shouldn't even say entertainment, just in general, sure. architecture onto art onto you name it. And it's just like, how incredible would it be to hear the story of, and not the polished version that's usually edited for some sort of press release when a building is opened up after construction or something, but like right. the real story of like, I was at home and my, my son had this drawing on a napkin and I saw it and I turned it into this building or something. I mean. <laughs> Everyone has stories of the construct of whatever makes them who they are. And the work they do is pieces of themselves. And that's the most endlessly fascinating thing to delve into. And to hear that that, that kind of thing would exist for that time is incredible because that's effort that I don't even know would have been rewarded. I, I don't know what kind of time frame you're talking about here, but uh, I would have, I would say so, uh, Socrates, I guess. Okay. Those, those type of, don't you think you that know, would have been considered maybe even a little invasive at that point? Probably. It's almost I, like, I think yeah, it ahead. might've been, it, 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 or to, if, I don't know. It was just so weird because the way the article read, it was, um, you know, they were uncovering, you know, I, I guess, um, I, I don't know something, uh, 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 some sort of estate, you know, mm -hmm. Roman or, or Greek area that they were just excavating. Yeah, right. right. And um, you know, it was uh, they knew uh, something about, I guess, these the people that might have stayed here because they were attached to uh, uh, one of the amphitheaters. They thought, well, maybe this is just part of the amphitheater. Well, this is where the uh, like where the performers would get ready. Like this was their like prep area. Right. So they found uh, that, uh, and I guess smarter people than I, I did actually realize that I thought when you had traveling performers, I always just thought, hey, traveling performers, that'd be like Shakespeare times and stuff like that. But sure. no, these, these people went from uh, amphitheater to amphitheater to put on these little uh, comedy and tragedy plays. I just always thought they were just at one, you know what I mean, at this location. Right. And then you had performers at this location, but they were... They'd moved to different ones. That's the reason why I never got stale. You know, you'd have different performers. And uh, they uh, were finding some writing and some other things like that. And it was talking about what they've uncovered was um, asking the creator of the uh, performance his uh, how he got the idea, you know, where they got the items to use in the play. It was It was like a partial list of all this stuff, it was like it was going to be like written up in like a, like a, like a, I don't know, a papyrus. I don't know. Did they have papyrus then? I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> they were writing things out. They were, they were texting everybody, you know, a, a <laughs> an email or whatever <laughs> of, of how this stuff was going about. But I, I just thought it was such an interesting thing that uh, someone thought to go and ask these people, you know, and then someone out there in the world that was sitting out in the bleachers on those very hard stone bleachers, 
um, hey, if you ever wanted to know how this all came about, this is where he got the idea for this play. This is where this came from. That's actually a dude. That's not a woman. You know, this is this. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You know and, and it was just a partial, like, story of a story. And I thought, well, that's kind of like, you know, in, in, in essence, like uh, a very raw form of, of what you do, you know, in, in a very simplistic version of what you do. Oh, man, very neat. I would say probably way more elaborate than what I do to, to make that happen and to gain the confidence to even help those people confide in you at a time. What it reminds me of, this brings to mind, and forgive me for bringing this analogy up if you're just insulted by it, world, oh. but, but <laughs> professional wrestling. Yeah. Professional wrestling for many, I mean forever, what they call kayfabe. In professional wrestling is when you are basically sticking to the script, I guess you could say. Yes. So it's like, well, yeah, this guy's this guy. He's bad or this guy's good. And these guys are definitely not friends and having drinks after the show tonight. And they definitely didn't drive here together. There was no, this they're thing. Not, they're not friends. They don't share the same dressing room. Right. Oh, yeah. You're not going to see Bobby Heenan drive up in a car with Hulk Hogan because Hogan is trying to dismantle Bobby Heenan's stable of heels, you know, like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so and so and, and but. But there are thoughtful people who were keeping record of what was happening behind the scenes over all those years where everyone is pretending that this shit was one thing, right. telling the stories as they needed to be told. And that's not to say duping the audience, because what you're speaking to also, theater is never duping the audience. Right. It's letting them in. And it's a willingness to expose yourself to the unreality of the story that you're being told because you need some escape. You need whatever it might be. And Thank goodness that someone like that was there then sitting on those stone seats like you're talking about or sitting in the auditorium in Madison Square Garden years ago and then going backstage and having these candid conversations with these guys who would never on the record at that time have admitted to the truth behind what was going on. But now all these stories are coming out and there are voices in that community that are sharing and, and what it is. The point of all this is just that there is history with everything. There is. There's history with everything. And just because it's – I mean, entertainment is that. It doesn't invalidate Heath Ledger to have an interview with him from the set of whatever film. You know, I mean, like it doesn't lessen the importance of that character or the – the no. the validity of that character it's the same thing on stage it's the same thing in, in an arena like you're talking about professional wrestling where these guys have to pretend they have to put on a face to be a character but they're just doing it week by week live and in front of a lot of people which involves a whole other level of having to commit to playing a character than film where you shoot something you walk off set and you're you the rest of the day you walk off, and then you may not make a movie for nine months, and you shoot your next one, and you become that person for two months, and then you step back out of those shoes again. But at the end of every one of those days, you're able to move away from it. I think it takes a special kind of person to sit in that audience and want to know about the, the gears behind the machinery. I and I, I, would, you know, I would love to hear that. The more you know is it just, it just adds to it just really adds to everything that you're doing. That's yeah. why what you do is, is, is so awesome, and I... I I take advantage of all of that every time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you know, you were talking about you bring up the wrestling aspect behind the thing, and you're right because now they have this thing on um, 
not True TV. I can't remember the name of the guys who do it. Um, Are you talking about Dark Side of the Ring? There, that's it. Yes. Yeah, man, it's on. It's on Vice. Vice, Vice that's it, man. That is like, great. That show is beautiful and so well done. But yeah, it's go ahead. so good. It's so good. Like, yeah. I was a huge wrestling fan as a kid. Like, I watched it Me all too. the time as a child. You know, and yeah. and now, I mean, I try to look at it now every once in a while. It's so different, but it's so yeah. weird. It's just not. It's not the same thing. Like the characters aren't really that fun. You know, I mean, it's all yeah. the same hoopla. But <clears throat> you know, needless to say. That show just really drew me in. I mean, it was just—it's so well done, and it's just—I mean, well, I th- wow. I think right now too. I think more um, with with getting behind the scenes and wanting more entertainment and wanting to know more things um, is is kind of something that people are craving now. Due yeah. to the fact that there is there there's been this whole whole pause on our on our. <laughs> on our world, on yeah. our lives, our world, uh, especially. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of tragedy to get me wrong, but when it comes to things that we're we're just used to almost taking advantage of, really, is just the entertainment aspect of of things. And and there's you know not a lot of stuff coming out, you no, know. And no. when it does come out, people jump on it. They're grabbing. <laughs> they're, they're they're focused on it. Uh, but uh, it, it just. I think I think now more than ever, people just are really needing that extra content, you know, in their lives. I think it's content, and I think it's also, in a way, a reaction to what we have known to be what you call "quote unquote" reality television that's been happening now for about twenty years. Because now we know the Osbournes was staged. Now what? we know. You know, yeah, you know what I mean, though. But I mean, like, so you watch these shows, and you and you're well aware that there's wait, there's writer. Why are we seeing writer credits at the end of this show that's just supposed to be about a day in the life of the Kardashians or whatever? Like, there was this sort of wink and a nod and an understanding of falsehood with a lot of what was being presented in the early stages of that. That was also mixed in cinema with found footage at the same right. time. But now it's getting back to the point where, okay, we, we appreciate the direct interaction with people that this kind of entertainment offers us. Cause how cool to just sit and watch. I don't know. Like if there was a show with Alice Cooper and his family, I would absolutely watch every episode just to see Alice like making eggs. Right. Or whatever. <laughs> right. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> and, but at the same time, I think that people are also like, but we need something. We want to understand more about ourselves and we want to understand more about these people because we've lived so long within the terms of wrestling again, kayfabe. You can look if you want to. Alice Cooper is someone that I can speak to because I've known him for a long time and I've involved him with a bunch of shit. And we've had a lot of candid conversations. In fact, we just did for Friday the 13th, Jason Lives. I just did a big piece on him for that documentary so on cool, his man. music in that film and how important it was as one of the ultimate, what you'd say, metal or rock and roll movies. Man, just how important but, how important Alice Cooper was to the world, man. Dude, and continues to be. He's he tours so harder, good. and every year he's on the road. And the and one of the first things, we get on the phone for the or Zoom, actually, in this case, for the Friday conversation, and then I'm going through the file. When I went back to edit it, I'm scrubbing through 45 minutes of us just talking about my son, and his grandkids and how everyone's dealing with COVID and all this stuff. And he's in that 
that bit of the conversation that didn't make it onto the Blu-ray set was him talking about, I'm I'm just losing my mind yeah. with, with the fact that I can't tour right now. And he said, artists everywhere, we're all just losing it because we need to be on the road. And when he's on the road, he's taking his wife with him, his daughter. I mean, like, he's not someone who's trying to escape anything. Right, he takes right. that world with him, but he's it's, invested in it in a very special life. way. It's his life. You know, that's what it's, he knows. Right. But, it's, but, but he's, he's from a different generation of that, yeah. that train, of that, that thought process, too, when it comes to this. What do you mean? He's, he's, he's old school in the way he... he Oh, in terms like of the work sli- ethic. Yes. The work ethic and, and, you know, really involving the family and really involving everybody, his friend, everybody's around him right now. And, and uh, there's so many uh, musicians out there now and, and people that do other sorts of touring that um, it's more of a um, sterile, cold corporate feel. They're not putting, you know. There's, oh, I see what you're saying. They're yeah. not living it. They're yeah. just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, no. he lives it. Yeah, I totally get that. I think that one of the most inspiring things about him over the years has always been that he, okay, so the story, oh man, I don't, and apologies, I don't want to take this whole thing into Alice Cooper. Nah, go ahead, but, man. But what, but he, he struggled with sobriety. He had a long right. time. If you were to look back at historic pictures of him, I dare you to find three or four from any given year where he wasn't holding alcohol in his hand. And he's around Los Angeles and he's, partying with all these i mean it's just this life of insanity and he had almost died when he was a kid i'm not sure if you're aware of that but he was very sick as a child and so he he was isolated in some ways and 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 he just there was so much that he was trying to shut out of his world and he at one point decided that he needed to get sober and he went to rehab and then he came out of rehab and he talked to his manager shep gordon and he's like shep what do we what do we do now like, how do I, how do I get back into this? Because I only know how to do this when I'm fucked up. And meaning <laughs> that at that, that, that at that point, there was no divide between Alice Cooper and Vince Fournier, who is actually the man behind the mask. Right. And he and Shep came up with the idea, what if we try a film? What if we get you involved with a movie? And Alice is like, oh, it would have to be something I'm interested in and whatever. And Alice luckily loves shit movies and he loves B movies and Z grade. And he's one of us, right? right. So, <laughs> so when Sergio, when Sergio Stivaletti comes along and, and kind of, am I getting the name right? The director of Troll 2. Is that the same guy? Yeah, it sounds like, that sounds right. Okay. All right. So, and you can edit this, please, if you would. So when, when uh, when the director of Troll 2 approaches him, saying, I want to make this movie called Monster Dog. It's about a guy who turns into a werewolf. And he and his rock band are making this movie in this haunted, like this abandoned house <laughs> castle in the middle of fucking nowhere. Then he turns into this wolf and all this stuff goes down. Alice saw it as an opportunity to prove more to himself than anyone, but ultimately to everyone involved, that he can A, show up on set on time, B, be sober, C, remember his lines, and D, not party at the end of the night. <laughs> and that film for him that so many people look at as just like a, a B-grade Italian werewolf sort of U.S. horror knockoff, which I treasure. I still have my old clamshell VHS of it. It's, it's, it's absolutely a bizarre movie. And, and let me just tell you, the last time we talked about this film, and I tried to, I tried to, make, I tried to buy this film, and it was sold out on Amazon, so I'm I'm still waiting to get my copy. We, I think it came up last time, didn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did because I you were, we oh. were I forget what we were talking about, but we were talking about something. Um, oh God, it was of course we were talking about bad movies, and I think I think I brought up Trolls, and I think that's where you came up with that film, and I wanted to buy it so bad. And I went to look for it, and it just it was not on sale. Oh man! Well, was, I'll try to find a way to. I'll find it on eBay and send it to you or something. I was but just like, this I'm, sucks. And I'm sorry to be a stuck record on this to bring this up again, but I bring it up just because no. it's relevant to our point here. That right, Alice, sure. in that moment, he sees that moment to prove to himself that he could do it, and he did it. He showed up, and it's a movie that he is still so excited to talk about. In in an era, you spoke about other entertainers how the different how there's a different generation now and how they approach their art there's a lot of people who like who are ashamed to talk about horror movies they were a part of i know there are a lot of people who you know but alice wears that as a badge of pride a lot of people a lot of people that we see and that a lot of people out there that don't know this that you could probably think of your favorite actor you could almost bet that they did something b mm-hmm. e grade related maybe lower look, uh, yeah. when they first started look yeah. if we ever ever got johnny depp on this on this show the, oh. the only thing i would talk to him about would would be nightmare on elm, elm street or 21 jump street yeah. I would, i'd be like dude okay you were in pirates that was a really good movie you know you did a bunch of really cool things but let's talk about this <laughs> you know yeah and and i tried to get him to discuss even tim burton like working with tim over the years and i can't i mean and again this is part of the process that's incredibly flawed is that there's layers of management between us and that artist, well yeah right? yeah of course so when i submit my request and is and i'm like hey i'd like to do a retrospective on the anniversary of ed wood his manager sees that and goes fuck you you know like come on <laughs> which no. which by far in my in my personal opinion is one of my most favorite johnny depp films is ed wood dude and tim burton yeah and everybody it is it is one of the most if not the most heartfelt loving tribute to filmmaking that exists it's such a great film dude i love that fucking movie like i can watch it uh, once a day if i wanted to you know have you ever been tempted just to get a character actor to do his voice or something and just (laughs) well (laughs) you know okay let's pretend we're talking to johnny depp right now and what (laughs) would you say how are you let's have him talk is edward yeah no yeah i have I totally have several times. First of all, the 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 shorter story which I'm, is on <laughs> when I did Pet Cemetery Two. Nice. Okay. Okay. So, have you guys seen or remember? Do you remember Pet Cemetery Two? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. I'm... So you remember who the bad guy is in Pet Cemetery Two? No. No. The bad it's guy. Been, it's been forever. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it in, in a long time, so I, okay. do, I have seen it though. Clancy Brown is the bad guy in Pet Cemetery Two. Really? Okay, so, and this isn't me having him do his horror voice, quote unquote. Although he did sort of a voice thing in the movie, so he he's the bad guy in this movie. Edward Furlong and his buddy are the the heroes, the whatever, the protagonists, the the, the faces in wrestling terminology. There you go again. There you go. But, yeah. But uh, but he is the bad guy in it. Well, he also happens to be the voice of Mr. Krabs on yes. SpongeBob. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So at the very end of the inter- uh, the tail end of the interview, we finished all the discussion <laughs> about Pet Cemetery Two, about his career, about all this stuff. I said, "Can you give me just a couple words in the voice of Mr. Krab?" 
And if you pick up Pet Cemetery 2 from Shout Factory, Scream Factory, if you watch the very end of the interview, the last thing that I included on there is him as Mr. Krabs going, <laughs> oh, talking about Pet Cemetery 2 as Mr. Krabs. What a weird thing. Ah, like doing the voice. <laughs> and it's so amazing. It was, uh, I mean, I can't. <clears throat> There are some moments that just fill you with glee, and that was that near that is near the top of the list for me to hear Mr. Krabs even say the words Pet Cemetery 2. Now, let alone for him to do it with a smile, and then I got to include it on the fucking disc. That's so good, dude. Yeah. That's so good. I, I, we actually, uh, uh, the podcast was actually on a film with him. Uh, there was a movie called, um, oh god, I'm gonna Supercon. It was filmed down here in New Orleans, and oh, okay. uh, he actually was one of the guys in the film. Yeah. I, I didn't get to actually talk to him because, of course, you know we we were not bad. That we were which what they called um, uh, artists, quote unquote, because they did they did because they, they did a fucking um, a convention a like convention. A, a, a convention comic convention. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, basically, we were background, but we were um, not considered um extras we were actually yeah. we're special people we had to be there all the time so yeah. we're, we're sitting in the sets you know and like um i didn't actually get that we, we they told us not to talk to any of them you know like you can't <laughs> you can't bother the stars yeah of all right course. that's cool i mean Mal john malkovich was in the film right so yeah. i actually have a scene with john malkovich i'm standing behind him like, as we're getting out i'm like oh look how cute i'm in the movie anyway uh, <laughs> but 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 um yeah he seemed like a really nice dude uh he was doing these fake autographs for like the the character he was playing i forget the name <laughs> of it so when he left i took one i have one in my room <gasps> i have one no! yeah yeah bro i got i got one uh, i have it framed and it's it's the it's his face with the fake name written on it <laughs> in his oh, hand and he wrote it too yeah dude it, it was so awesome i was like oh i gotta i gotta get this i gotta take one <laughs> so i did well, I couldn't, I didn't think that, I mean, it, it, okay, I go through these things and, and I, as we talked about last time, there is a wish list every yes. time I, I get on board for one of these things. And, and I thought there's no way he's so prolific. People have no idea just on voice work, how much work he's doing these days. I mean, it's really out, outstanding what his career has become. And I thought there's never a chance that I get him in the seat, but if I do, and I knew from the second I tried to bring him on board, <laughs> I was like, if I do, I have to get that Mr. Krabs, even if it's oh, just yeah. saying hello 100%. or goodbye or something. And for him to do this whole, like, <laughs> oh, talking about Pet Cemetery and all that, I'm like, I want to put that clip online so bad, but I know that I'm <laughs> it, it would probably cause problems if I did. But I want the world to know that it's there. That's so, so please, That's so good, dude. Pick, if you're a fan of SpongeBob, if you're a fan of Pet Cemetery 2, Please pick up that disc. Watch to the very end of his interview because you're going to get something that doesn't exist anywhere else in the universe. That's so sure. good, dude. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that I've always said. Like, if we ever get any of these guys on our shows and stuff, I would love for them to do, you know, like if they do if they do voices for something, you know, to do an ad for yeah. us. Like we had one of the members from Guar. He came on the show and he came on. Oh. And he came on to himself, you know. So yeah. he was talking to us, but when he did the ad for us at the end. He did it in his his damn guard voice, you know. Like he yeah. he turned into the character. It was amazing, dude. He's just oh, making fun of us and shit. Oh. He's like, oh yeah, you know, it's so good, so good. Let, let me let me tell you one other brief story about this 
a, 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 a related scenario here where back when I was, again, this is again, when I was working for Trankus and Compass and I got uh, Halloween back in theaters in 2012 nice. and it was a Carpenter's original. And we did this, the partners who we had was this company called screen vision and they still do, I think before you watch a movie, when you get back in theaters, they'll have like the trivia beforehand, like yeah, texture yeah. answer to whatever and all that. Oh yeah. Those. So, okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And, and they also, they did, I don't know if they still do a bunch of what we call boutique bookings where they take a, like an older film, put it back in theaters for a limited run. And, but one of the things they, that they were really keen on at that point, at least was having additional content. So, so some reason for, for people to show up other than just the movie. And so what they wanted from us was a documentary, something to put before the movie. Could it be John Carpenter talking about Halloween? Could nice. it be whatever? And so what I ended up putting together was this movie called You Can't Kill the Boogeyman, <laughs> which okay. is like a, I know, maybe a 10-minute short. But it's a documentary about the cultural presence of the boogeyman around the world and how in the U.S. that's Michael Myers. That's the shape. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very different here. So in other cultures where kids – it's like this admonishment. It's this warning of how, you know, behave or else. Right, right. Here, people get tattoos of the guy. Yeah, yeah. On their arm. And they're, you know, they're whatever. I was at Spirit Halloween today, and I see, I mean, I can't tell you how much Michael Myers stuff was there. It was insane. Well, so, I'm, I'm, I still look into my bed for Captain Kirk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. He oh, does. God. That, he scares me. Actually, scarier than the shape. Yeah, that was the, uh, that was my best Captain Kirk. I'm sorry. That was really good, man. That was legit. Wow. So I so I made this documentary thing, and I and I called on at that point who was someone I I, I just recently met, Andrew Devoff. Do you guys remember who Andrew or know who Andrew Devoff is? No, I'm sorry, that name does not. Ring have up. you have you seen Wishmaster? I have. Yes. The Wishmaster. Oh, oh nice. Okay. Gym. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Also in the Hatch in Lost. He's the guy with the patch on his eye and lost. Really? I mean, like, and, and yeah, Andy's been a part of, he speaks seven different languages. He's this, I mean, he's in so much, especially if you look back in the 80s and 90s. I mean, he was kind of omnipresent in a lot of cinema and television shows. And I, it's, yeah, so, but that voice. Yeah, yeah. If you've seen Wishmaster. For sure, yeah. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I know, you know, dude. I know, dude. That, that. <laughs> The voice fucking legend, incredible, is. incredible. So I, so we call him in, and I've written this script about the boogeyman and all this shit. I'm like, oh god, oh god, oh god, and he comes into the studio, and this it was the first time that we had met in person. We had talked on the phone, and since then we've become wonderful friends. I lived by him for a long time, and very cool. He's 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 such a sweetheart of a guy, and all the stories I could tell about what a compassionate human being he is. Uh, Man, just limitless. But on this day, he walks into the studio and we sit down. It was my friend Tim as the engineer on it doing the recording. And Andy wanted me in the room with him. And so we sat there and here he is going through my script. And <laughs> we hit record. And then I, and I have headphones on. I'm, I'm right next to Andy. The engineer is in front of us. We have the film playing in front of us with the script. And then all of a sudden, I hear the gin, like the Wishmaster's voice. He's like, <laughs> he's like, fear is an emotion we all understand. 
<laughs> and I'm just like goosebumps about like this is not a guy putting on airs. This is not a guy like bullshitting me with his performance here. This is a guy giving me something so genuine and so of him, but so of what I love about him. What the first time I saw uh, Wishmaster year, many moons prior. I fell in love with that fucking movie. Wishmaster 1 and 2 are great. Wishmaster 1 is really an exercising greatness. For Kurtzman, for everyone involved, that movie is a masterstroke. And Andy is at the heart of all of it. And then to have him sitting two feet from me, saying like, <laughs> saying like, Michael Myers is poured into the dark shadows of the ether of the blah 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 and i'm like god my script is fucking terrible but it's so great i can't he's fucking like, get over he's this. like wow this makes it sound so much better than it i thought makes it incredible like oh i wanted well, he, he should be a salesperson you know he he's been in uh, movies and tv for like oh ever forget it man yeah chips I mean, his, he his was career in career was for like oh my gosh it went on i know from the 80s at least Oh yeah, you you name it. He was involved with it. He he was in Neon Maniacs. He was on. He he's been involved. Air Force One. Uh, you know he's doing battle with Harrison Ford. He's he's a legit icon. And I think, contemporary wise, the greatest voice in in entertainment today. I think his voice work. He should be like we talked about voice work earlier. He should be on everything. The guy's voices fucking incredible they yes. brought it like uh guillermo del toro brought him in for the strain when they did the strain miniseries which oh, didn't wow. last or, or a series didn't last very long but andy well, was great in it unfortunately thought, oh, man, it was a like, really good show and he's one of these guys that you keep thinking i you know i hope he i hope this next thing is the thing and he is passionate about wishmaster too and so he really he speaks fondly of the character and he would love to see that series continue. It did move on with him eventually without him, uh, yeah, which was, he did, he's been in a lot of like horror based things. He has. Yeah. Because there was once Wishmaster happened, he got very much associated with the genre and he was proud to be part of it. He still is. I mean, but to be honest, if in 2020, if you were to ask what's Andy Devoff up to, Andy is running a brewery. Wow. Really? <laughs> He has a brewery called Three Marm. That's M A R M. Three Marm Brewing, and he's building. He's not only running it, but he's building a brewing facility, a full brewery, wow. near where near where he lives in California, up in the mountains, and uh, and that's his passion. That's and I so even, cool. Oh, it's incredible, man! And he, years ago, when he was first tinkering with this brewery concept, he. Uh, I got him to be a part of a convention and film festival that I was a part of a lot up out, out east called Rock and Shock. It was in Worcester, Pennsylvania. I and, know this. Or Worcester, I'm Massachusetts. From, I'm from Pennsylvania, yeah. so yeah. And and uh, an amazing event that, that sadly has now fallen by the wayside. Amazing because the people behind it had the foresight to not only offer you a convention experience during the day, but every night there was a great concert happening that your ticket also got you into, you know, it was yeah. really amazing. And they also had a film festival. So just, a, I can't sing enough praises about everyone who was involved with that, but I got Andy there once and he was like, well, yeah, maybe we can do a thing one night with the after hours with the, 
with uh, what he had then titled, which I think is still made by him, the Jin's Hellebrew. Ooh. You know, the Jin is this character from Wishmaster, right. but he called it the Hellebrew. And it's a spicy fucking burn-your-mouth beer. And it's great. I'm sure for the people who love it, more power to you. Not my cup of tea, but it's still very good. <laughs> so here you have... I, I need to find this. This is just... A, another insane story that so here we are we're at worcester we're backstage and i forget who was on stage and i'm not kidding it very well may have been guar when it was nice nice. it was either guar or it was jerry only's version of the misfits that was on stage at the time i'm sorry Andy andy is behind the bar upstairs at the venue and he is dressed like it's like, like it's the wild west and he's that bartender who's got the suspenders and the fucking hat. He's like, Oh, what can I do for you, partner? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he's serving up the beer that he designed, the beer that he created to these people. And just so excited just to like watch their faces as they drink it. Just, just to see what their response is to what he's created here. And meanwhile, in the background, you walk out in the balcony and here's this metal concert with this mosh pit and everything. It was so insane. But uh, he's continued so cool. with that. Yeah, yeah, and he's continued on, on with that. And and uh, it's really growing for him. And hopefully, eventually, all of his Three Marm beers will be available around the country now that there's this boom of craft beers. Yeah, really. And, I th- and he fits in perfectly to it. And plus, he has that extra little edge of, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm the Wishmaster. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and... Besides that, he was in one of the scariest things I had ever seen as a kid. Ooh, what's that? Back at me. What? Oh, fuck that alien. What is it? <laughs> what was it? Mac and fuck me. Fuck the dance scene. Mac, Mac fuck, and me. Fuck the wheelchair over the cliff. <laughs> fuck that movie. Mac and me. And you heard terrifying. it. You you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Both Justins do not like <laughs> Mac and me. <laughs> That movie, that movie is a twisted nightmare. That's the only way I can. Can I? Can I? Can I tell you? It doesn't really translate well to if you were to watch it today. Well, look, (laughs) look. Let me, let me, let me tell you guys a little something. I've never seen that movie. Oh, dude! Oh, wow! See it. Of all the shitty movies in the world that I've watched and sit through, I've never seen Mac and Me. It's free on YouTube. Is it really? All right, I'll watch. Watch it. it. Yep. Oh. You, you you've got to see it. Yeah, I think Andy's probably like a cop in it. I think he's, yeah, okay. I think he, I think he's a cop or, or something. He's not. He's. I think he's part of the McDonald's scene. To be honest with you, I think he's part of the scene with the whole dance, like the break dancing scene <laughs> and the alien dancing in the in the costume, the bear costume. You know, does you, this tell you how much of an ass? You, you guys describing this really does not make me want to watch it. <laughs> you don't. You don't need to see it, but you really do. That's, no, no. But watch that. Look at his character, and then think Wishmaster. Right. Tell me which one's scarier. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you think about who he's worked with over the years. I mean, it's really incredible. And he, he maintained this relationship with Robert Kurtzman. And actually, there's another movie. We spoke earlier about Only Dream of Me. There's another film that I talked to that I've sort of been working in the background on for a number of years uh, that Andy wants to be a part of, where he plays a Stephen King-type character. And oh, very cool. uh, he's just – I mean, he's one of these people who – who's in this business for the right reasons and who is doing the things he does from the heart. And I learned so much from being a friend of his in so many ways. And it's not just about where, when to say yes. It's also about when to say no. Yeah. And, and, um, 
the guy has just, I mean, he's, he's a fountain of inspiration and what's good in all of this. And uh, so I can't, I mean, I could tell you Andy stories all day, but (laughs) what a great guy. And if you have a chance, look up three Marm brewing and and see what they're up to, because I know they're almost finished with their production facility. And so they'll be able to, I mean, I I think their beer is available in California now, but I think it's going to start growing very soon outside the borders of California. Well, well, I really hope so because I really want to get some of that Wishmaster stuff. Oh, the gin's hella brew is brutal, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, it'll, that's what I need. Like when I, I'm not a spicy. I, you know, I go to Mexican. I'm like mild, please. <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah, right, whatever. Make fun of me all you want, but, <laughs> but, but then I, you know, I, I drink his beer and I'm like, man, this is as ballsy as he is, as bold as he is, and as memorable as he is. So I can't recommend it highly enough. Nice, awesome. nice. Well, man, we appreciate you coming back on the show, dude. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Jeez, I I ramble so much. I'm sorry. I I think I blew our hour or whatever it was. No, man, look. No, dude. You know, that's what we like. We like when you you tell these stories and open up. It's great, man. It's awesome, you know? What I would say at this point is one of the things we're we're speaking mid-September, and the episode will surely be out shortly thereafter. I, I really encourage everyone to try to, if you can, pick up that Friday the 13th box set. The, yeah. if, if you go to shopfactory.com and look at this thing, uh, and it's the cumulative effort of a number of producers like myself. I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part of it. I have, I, I have my little corner of it which is mostly centered around Jason lives, which remains my favorite Friday. And so I have this thing with Alice and I also got the director of the music video for he's back man behind the mask. (laughs) And I have him in there too. And then I also have a nice long interview with Kyle McLaughlin or not Kyle. I'm sorry. If you would edit that Tom McLaughlin who directed Jason lives, who not only tells because there's been so many interviews with him over the years about Jason lives. He's been luckily for fans, very open about that film and what he was trying to do with it. So I took a little bit of a different route in our discussion, getting into a little more cerebral territory. So, but so this is new territory for Jason lives fans and Friday the 13th fans. He also, if nothing else, he shares the concept behind the sequel to that film that he wanted and still wants to make. Ooh, okay. Uh, and and he shared with me, which he hasn't shared anywhere else, and you're only going to find in this piece the concept art for this Friday the 13th movie that he wants to make that's set in winter. Oh, and wow, that's cool. It's a direct sequel to Jason Lives. Yeah, it's super fascinating. I also have a very intimate conversation with Amy Steele from Friday 2 on there, yeah. and that's from, actually from the early days of my podcast, which... I did my best to sort of dress up the audio on (laughs) and a few other things. I also brought Fangoria on board and I, as a kid pouring over every page in Fangoria and every movie, trying to get every movie off the checklist watched, uh, you know, that's how we learned about Jason and Friday the 13th. And so I brought them in and they were gracious enough to grant access to every article about everything involving this series historically. So, whether it's on the disc specific to that movie or the bonus feature discs, you're going to find all these historical articles on Fangoria that you can flip through and read. And it really is the full perspective 
and in addition, I've done a few other things like a location piece and some other stuff. And it's just such a, an honor to be a part of the box set on this series. Um, and also, so far announced through through a little company called Paramount, <laughs> there's The Haunting, The Haunting remake, which nice. we have for, available for pre-order through Amazon right now. And if you pick something up, uh, that one has a wonderful interview with the director on there and there'd be more to come. So super, super, yeah. man. That's awesome. Busy, busy, busy. Yeah. I'm definitely going to, uh, order that, uh, box set, man. I've been eyeing it up. I want it. So oh, it's I'm, crazy. I'm, I'm excited about There's it. So much stuff on there. Yeah. But well, this has been great. I've, I've enjoyed this interview. Yeah, me too. It was been, a, it was a blast, dude. It was really good. It was very well, insightful. Always fun talking with you. And it's, 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 all right. Well, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate everything, and I'm always happy to come back and hit me up on that segment thing. I'm happy to help on that as well. Of course, man. Of course. Um, just, but yeah, Justin. Thank you again for joining us, man. And we look forward to having you back on and doing the segment. We're gonna work on that for sure. So, I was Thanks your host, again, Wayne. Are oh, you very welcome? I was your host, Wayne. The rump guy. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to keep it, keep it, keep it. Adieu, adieu, parting with such sweet sounds. Go ahead and run. Run home and cry to mama. Get the fuck out. Okay, then. That's it. <laughs>